If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Good morning. Hello, everyone here in the hall, and hello to all of you at home. I hope that you are well. I hope that you enjoyed that time of worship. I really did. It's always and to music. I was really blessed by that contribution that Cheryl and Bernard just brought together for us, uh, and by all of the worship. Thank you very much to Jen and Ali and Bernard and Cheryl. Romans 12, uh, verses 1 to 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to live your lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is God's call on our lives, isn't it? That we would come to him and, and not seek to have him bless our ideas or to partner with us in our plans for our lives, but that we would come to him and that we would give him absolutely everything, even our bodies, therefore everything that we do, and say, God, we want to partner with you in your plans for our lives. We, we tried going our own way. It didn't work. We just want you. We want to do the things that you call us to do. We want to do them in your power, and we want to do them for your glory. And so whatever we do, whether we are students at school, whether we're retired, whether we uh, work in paid jobs, or whether we work at home, we want to do it all for the glory of God, and we want to do it in the hope that perhaps some might turn and believe in God, either because of what we say or because of the example that they see, and when it has nothing to do with us, just because God divinely reveals himself to people. But it's not so simple as we might like, and those verses in the beginning of Romans 12 remind us of that, that this world seeks to pull us to conform to its pattern, but God is calling us to live a different way. There is a different pattern that God wants us to conform to. And so he says that we have to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Because you see, the problem is, and we see that here, is that that pull of the world that we're tempted to conform to, it comes naturally. We don't notice it. We have to be transformed by the renewal of our mind in order to spot the way that the world would call us to live that is against the way that God would call us to live. And that's true of absolutely everything. It's true of what we think about God. It's even true, we will see through this series, about what we think love is. And we see, don't we, that, that the way the world sees love is so lacking. And it is not the way God sees love. We see that it lacks 
in divorce rates. We see that it lacks in family breakdowns and friendship breakdowns. We see that it fails so often. And so that's one of the reasons that I'm so excited that we're going through 1 Corinthians 13, because I think we're going to be blessed. I think we have been blessed already. We're going to be blessed by spending some time going through this chapter and reminding ourselves, how does God see love? What is love in, in, this, in this way that we're supposed to live, where we're not supposed to conform to the pattern of the world, but we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our mind so that we can live lives that are holy and acceptable to God, you know, live our entire lives, our spiritual act of worship, what does it mean? How do we need to change? And we're going to get to go through that in 1 Corinthians 13. And I love 1 Corinthians 13, I've told you this already, you know, Paul leaves behind a conversation about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 to focus on this most excellent way, the way of love. And he starts by just quickly doing away with any excuses that people might have. You know, if people are kind of like, yeah, do you know what, I know I'm not really very loving, but I'm operating in spiritual gifts, or I'm giving everything I have to the poor, or even I'm surrendering my body to the flames. And, and Paul's like, no, no. Look, if, if you do not have love, you are nothing, you gain nothing by doing all of those things, and actually you're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's not good enough. You have to be loving. You have to have love. It is the most excellent way. And then Paul goes in to describe what love is like. And I get to start that process today. And I'm going to be talking to you about how love is patient and kind. And then Paul leaves that description behind. And he says something, the sort of thing that I hope I never feel led to say to you as one of your church leaders. Because Paul implies that to think that love is anything other than these things is to think like a child. If you don't think that love is patient and kind, if you, if you think that love is anything other than these behaviours, than these actions, you're childish, you haven't grown up. So, challenging, challenging words of Paul to us. I think Brian and Natalie have kicked us off so well and that they've exhorted us to pursue love more than we pursue, or even as we pursue spiritual gifts, as we pursue service of those less fortunate. But I get to, as I say, today begin the journey of explaining why it is that love is the way Paul says it is. And so why is love patient and kind? That's what I'm looking at today. Quite simply, love is patient and kind because God is patient and kind. You know, one of the most common phrases uh, in the Old Testament is that the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. But that's not my go-to verse when I recall how God loves us uh, and how God loves me. And I want to read uh, two verses to you now uh, that you will have heard me read before. The first one is from the Old Testament. It's from Hosea chapter 11 and verse 4. And I think I have read this out in worship a couple of times in the time I've been with you here. It's a verse that, that I often find God calling to mind as I, as I worship, as I pray. I feel, you know, God likes to remind me that this is how he loves me. This is how he loves us. And it says this, I led them with cords of human kindness and with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a child to the cheek and I bent 
down to feed them. You know, I love that, that picture of cords of human kindness and ties of love. You know, you just imagine that they could be broken if they were pulled too hard and you get how gently God leads us. You know, that, that God is like a father bringing a child to the cheek for a close embrace. You know, how much love is in that picture. You know, that he bends down to feed us. You know, he is not above doing even that. He loves us so much. I love that picture. And then again, in uh, Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, a more familiar verse, and this is in the New Testament now, proving that God has never changed. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, come to me. If, if, you, if you are weary, whether it's from, uh, from sinning, whether you're weary because you just feel awful, whether it's weary from trying to do good, you know, come to me and I will give you rest, God says. You know, are you heavy laden? Are you sort of feeling under the pressure of circumstances? Is there so much going on that you don't quite know how you're going to cope? God says, come to me and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. It's so important that we get this. I'm preaching to myself here as, as much as I'm preaching to you this morning. You know, God, God is not patient and kind with you because he loves you. He's not patient and kind with you today, but tomorrow he might be impatient and unkind. God can only be patient and kind with you because God is love and because love is patient and kind. It is impossible for God to behave towards you in any way other than with patience and with kindness. He loves you so much. He is so gentle with you. And so if you have believed that Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Father, if you have believed that he left heaven to come to earth as a baby, lived a perfect life that none of us have lived, died the death that our sins deserved because they separated us from the Father so that our sins could be removed from us as far as the east is from the west, so that we can enter into and enjoy a relationship with God if you have believed those things, then today you can enjoy and experience the love of your heavenly Father that is always patient and is always kind. For God to act any other way towards you would be acting against his character, and he cannot do that. He is only ever patient and kind. Are you getting this? <laughs> you know, call back to mind that picture of a father lifting a child to the cheek. You know, that is how your father loves you. You know, this is, this is how caring he is of us. Every single one of you, whether you are seven or 70, you need to know this is how your father loves you. His love for you is patient and kind. And you know, I love this pairing as well of, of patient and kind. You know, it really works. Some translations translate the word that I've read to you as patient today, as, as long-suffering. You know, God suffers 
while he watches and waits, while he looks on at us and the way we live and caring for us and knowing what's best for us, he suffers while he waits as he wants to draw us to him. And when we come to him, we find that he leads us with cords of human kindness and with ties of love that he says, come to me and I will give you rest. You know, it's so, it's so good to know that God is patient with us. When we come to him, he doesn't give us a massive to-do list. He just says, I will give you rest. He says, you will find rest for your souls. You know, he bends down and he feeds us. He lifts us to his cheek like a father with a child. He is so good to us. I hope this is encouraging for you. <laughs> this is encouraging for me. I'm really, I'm blessed saying these things out loud again today. Because, you know, my experience as a man and my experience as a leader among you is that, at the very least, we don't always remember this. Perhaps we don't believe it. Perhaps you think that actually sometimes God has been impatient and unkind with you. And we have to keep calling this to mind. We have to keep remembering this truth that God is only ever patient and kind. How much of a difference would it make to our lives, to our mental and emotional and spiritual health if we would remember this, that God is love and that love is patient and kind, that he can behave no other way. And that is, that's, that's a love that changes me. That's a love that makes me want to love people in, in those ways. It's a love that makes me want to be patient and kind. As I see my impatience and as I see my unkindness, I go, no, God, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I want to be like you. You're patient. I want to be patient like you. You're kind. I want to be kind like you. I, I just want to be transformed from one degree of glory to another by the renewal of my mind. I want to be more and more like you. I want to live like you. And so, Father, with the love that you have loved me, would you help me? to love others I don't want to conform to the pattern of this world anymore I don't want to be impatient I don't want to give up I don't want to be unkind I want to be more like you God as I've prepared I've, I've felt God lead me to one practical area I'm, I'm going to finish in a few moments but there was one practical area that I felt God uh, leading me to as I prepared, and that is how we use social media. You know, it's, it's a bigger part of our lives. It's worth us speaking about a bit more often, and, and that's what I'm going to do now. You know, I, I have said things on social... I think I've been on... I'm like an early adopter. I think I've been on Facebook for about 13 or 14 years. I'm not sure how long it's been going. I remember being at university, and uh, when I should have been studying, I was putting my first profile picture on it, and it was of offence. You know, we didn't have many pictures on computers in these days, and so my first profile picture was of offence. It was a fence in Grenada. It was a really nice fence, but it was just a fence. And, and I have, there is some stupid stuff on my Facebook newsfeed. I've said things on Facebook in the last 13 or 14 years that I wouldn't say now. And yet they are there forever as a record of my stupidity. And because 
of that. We need to be careful how we use it. You know, I've commented on so much on Facebook. You know, I've commented on everything from abortion, gender and sexuality. I've commented on America. I've commented on sports. I've commented on loads as if I'm an expert and I'm not. And it's all there. And it could all be, you know, shown to me as a mirror. And I'd be ashamed at some of the stuff I've said. It hasn't all been wise. It hasn't all been patient. And it hasn't all been kind. The second reason I, um, I want to talk about this is because we, um, there is a possibility that the way that we use social media could cause people to be interested in what we believe. And so we need to be patient and kind. I, I, I know that sadly, sometimes when I've been on social media, I've seen myself as a defender of the faith. And I paint myself in the light of Jesus who entered the temple and turned over the tables of the money changers. And what a fool I am to think like that. You know, when Jesus did that, he was concerned with his father's house. He was concerned with his father's kingdom being the way it should be. He wasn't, he wasn't worrying about the kingdom of the world in that moment. He was worrying about his father's house, that it would be a house of prayer. I really think that we would do well to spend more time and more energy as God's people contributing to seeing the bride made fit for the king than by concerning ourselves with the things of this world. I think that if we as God's people would spend more time removing the log from our eyes, we'll be better placed to remove the speck from our brother's. And so we need to be careful. We need to make sure that when we are online that we are patient and kind. Because, you know, we, social media is an echo chamber, isn't it? Most of the people on your Facebook feeds probably think what you think, probably read what you read, and you know when you post that you're probably going to, uh, you know, it's probably going to be received well. You're not imagining you're in sort of hostile territory when you're posting on Facebook. And so we post unthinkingly. And you know, it pushes people away. It doesn't draw them near. There are people who might see what you share and potentially be interested. So that even if they disagree with what you say, that because of the way that you say it, they're open to hearing more. And so we need to imagine when we're posting on social media, that person who we would most like to hear and receive what we share as being sat across the table from us and us wanting to bless them and not curse them. And so lastly, and I'm sure you've heard this before, I want to ask you to ask yourself four questions before you post. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind and is it helpful? If it isn't, don't post it. If it is, post it humbly and pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are love and I thank you that love is patient and kind. So I thank you, Father, that you are patient and kind towards us. And Lord, we want to be transformed by the renewal of our mind 
So we take seriously your instruction to us to love one another as you have loved us. And so I want to ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill us today and would you make us increasingly patient and increasingly kind? Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would remove the memory of any times when we have felt that you have acted towards us in an impatient or unkind way. Lord, you, had, you never have. We understand that we may have received it as unkind, but it never was. So, Lord, I pray that you would change our concept of you, that you would change our concept of what love is. And, Father, would we know you as the one who picks us up and lifts us to your cheek, that you're the one who says, come to me and I will give you rest. Lord, have your way in our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen.